0: Go rebuild my church, which, as you can see, is falling into ruins." These are the words spoken to St. Francis of Assisi from an image of Christ on the crucifix at San Damiano in 1205 A.D. These same words inspired Peter Doan, the host of the program you're about to hear. Peter challenges all of us to rebuild, not the brick and mortars of our church buildings, but our personal faith and relationships that will rebuild and strengthen the church. Now here's today's program. Hi, I'm Peter Doan.
1: And I'm Leslie Doan.
0: And you're listening to the radio broadcast, Go Rebuild My Church. In this broadcast, we explore ways to put into practice the words spoken to St. Francis of Assisi by our Lord Jesus and how this theme is relevant as we seek to bring renewal to the church today.
1: Our passion for renewal was ignited when we came home to the Catholic Church 14 years ago, and that's when we heard the call to rebuild and joined efforts with many other renewal movements within the church.
0: You can learn more about our journey home and our lay apostolate dedicated to renewal in the Catholic Church by visiting our website at www.catholicdiscipleshipministries.org.
1: Our prayer is through the ministry of this radio program and our lay apostolate, we can provide pathways for you to join the rebuilding process and experience renewal.
0: We want to welcome listeners joining us for the first time today. In our broadcast, we look at sacred scripture, excerpts from the catechism, the lives of our saints, and the teaching of the church as we challenge individuals, families, and local parishes to rebuild and renew the Catholic faith here in America.
1: In our current series of programs, we've been focusing on renewal that comes to us through the Advent and Christmas seasons. As we engage the Lord Jesus through and during these powerful seasons in the liturgical calendar, it's going to cause all of us to draw closer to the Lord and his church. Peter, in these last three broadcasts, we've learned a lot of things about living in God's time and the beauty of the liturgical calendar. Yes,
0: we love that liturgical calendar, Leslie.
1: Yeah, and we we really believe that this will help us as Catholic believers to engage not just these two seasons, but enhance our approach to living every day dedicated to the Lord. So Peter, just how does a focus on God's time help us rebuild our concept of daily living for the Lord?
0: So, yes, there's certainly some important truths that we've discussed that I think are helpful to rebuilding the idea of being in the world, but not of it, Leslie.
1: Okay, so let's do a quick recap of what we've learned so far in this series.
0: So living by the liturgical calendar and marking time through the liturgical seasons is really a great gift to our Catholic faith that offers each one of us. We've learned that there's two Greek words for us to help understand the biblical concept of time. That first Greek word is the word chronos. It means time in general, a succession of moments in the physical space world, sovereignly apportioned by God to each of us as persons. It is where we get the word chronological time, of course. The second word is the word kairos, and this means time as an opportunity a favorable moment, a season, a time when things are brought to a crisis even. It's used in Mark 13 to give us as an example. Take heed, Jesus said, for you do not know when the time, that's Kairos, will come, when Jesus will visibly return to the earth. Now, the liturgical calendar helps us, as Catholic Christians, to get a taste of what I like to call God's time, as well as to separate ourselves from the secular forces that focus purely on the here and the now.
1: Well, we've learned about the beauty of the liturgical calendar and how it allows us to focus on God's time, Kairos. We've been talking about Advent and how it developed, and we also learned that the liturgical calendar is there to help us celebrate the saving work of Christ throughout the entire year, not just Advent. According to the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, the Church unfolds the entire mystery of Christ as we commemorate the resurrection of the Lord each week on Sunday... The Lord's Day, along with the Paschal Solemnity, other feast days, and the birthdays of the saints. And that's the Mm -hmm. way God has always led us. Isn't that right, Peter? Yes,
0: he sure has.
1: Going back to his instructions in the Old Testament to the Jewish people regarding Passover, he made a point of saying that he always wants his people to remember the great things he's done, and he knows our tendency to forget. Okay, so finally, last week, we discussed the... well. Actually, in our previous session, we discussed the dual meaning of Advent, and then we discussed Christmas and the Christmas season, and we gave an overview of its history and the theology of the Incarnation. So, Peter, let's highlight some of those points so, also before we begin today.
0: Right. So, some interesting things about Christmas, Leslie, and the date of Christmas. First, Hippolytus of Rome was an apostolic father, and in his commentary in the book of the prophet Daniel, written in around 204 AD, he was the first person to say clearly that Jesus was born, yes, on December 25th. Moreover, some scholars note that the Feast of the Dedication of the Temple, written about and mentioned in Judas Maccabee in 164 B.C., that was celebrated on that day as well. So the coincidence of dates would mean that with Jesus, who appeared as God's light in the darkness, the consecration of the Temple, and the advent of God on the earth, they all coincided at this same time. Then we also learned in the first historical record of the Feast of Sol Invictus, and that's the pagan feast day, Leslie, where people thought that December 25th was chosen as the birth of Jesus to counteract that date. But that was dated 354 A.D. according to the calendar. The same calendar shows Christmas being celebrated on that same day. So the meaning is Christmas already existed by 354 A.D., and this confirmed by the document of 204 A.D., which I cited earlier.
1: Well, we did talk about the idea that December 25th was chosen because of a pagan holiday and how Christians wanted to turn that day into a Christian holiday, but we learned that was not the whole picture. Isn't that right? That's true. For Christianity, the Feast of Christmas acquired its ultimate form, we learned, in the fourth century when the Roman pagans stopped celebrating the Roman feast of Sol Invictus, which is the Invincible Sun. The choice of this date highlighted the fact that Christ's birth was the victory of the true light over darkness of evil and sin. And then last week, Peter, in our broadcast, we spent some time discussing the theology surrounding the birth of Jesus, so quickly summarize that for us as well.
0: Yes, as we complete this season of Advent, it's so important to remember and reflect on the theology surrounding the Incarnation. We shared some insightful excerpts from Pope Benedict's comments on the mystery of the Incarnation during his general audience in January of 2013 calling it the original gift of Christmas. He said, on that holy night, God becoming flesh, wanting to become a gift for man, gave himself to us. God has made his only begotten son a gift for us, taking our humanity to give us his divinity. Beautiful what the Pope said. Here we find the model of our giving, because our relationships, he said, especially the most important ones, are driven by the free gift of love.
1: This is such an important truth, Peter. It's something that we have labored to teach our own children when they were growing up and now our grandchildren, that this is the basis of us giving and receiving gifts at Christmas. We give gifts out of our love for one another, reflecting God's greatest gift to us, His Son.
0: And finally, Leslie, the Pope focused on that the Incarnation is central to our Christian faith. And he said that the word flesh indicates a person as a whole man. Thus the significance of that particular time and place in which Christ became a man, he cares for us in our particular circumstances. I love that.
1: Okay, everyone, please stay with us now. We're going to take a short break. When we return, we're going to learn how secularization is working to take Christ out of Christmas. You're listening to Go Rebuild My Church. This program is underwritten in part by Willie and Deborah Wood, in memory of their parents, Woody and Joyce Wood, and Bill and Elsie Brooks. Catholic Radio Indy thanks the Wood family for their support.
0: Lion 195 Against Trafficking Incorporated is a nonprofit organization whose mission is to build a home for kids rescued from the tragic and inhuman environment of child sex trafficking. This insidious crime is happening much closer to you than you think, and safe spaces for rescued kids is in short supply. Please visit www.lion195.org to get information about this evil, to learn how to respond if you ever encounter somebody in this situation, and how you can help. That's www.lion195.org.
1: Welcome back to our radio program, Go Rebuild My Church. In our series this month, we have been focusing on renewal that comes to us with the Advent and Christmas seasons. And as we engage the Lord Jesus during these powerful seasons in the liturgical calendar, it's going to cause all of us to draw closer to the Lord and his church. Now, last week, we shared about the history of the celebration of Christmas, as well as the theology of the Incarnation. Today, we want to take a different track towards Christmas and see how secularism and commercialism rob this season of its true meaning. So, Peter, let's start with some trends happening in the culture.
0: Yes, Leslie, to begin with, I kind of felt a stir in my soul this year as I drove past many of the marquees around many of the schools in our area advertising the winter concerts and the winter break. This kind of inspired me to investigate the effects of secularism and what it's had on Christmas. I've become very familiar with public schools where the word Christmas and Christmas break is not even allowed to be used nor celebrated. Now, interestingly enough, in December of 2019, the Gallup organization came out with a report called More Americans Are Celebrating a Secular Christmas. Now, let's look at some of the major findings that they gave us. The poll shows that the percentage describing their Christmas celebrations as strongly religious has dropped to 35 percent, this is amazing, down from about half in Gallup's prior measures in 2005 and 2010. Conversely, among those who celebrate Christmas, 26% say their celebrations are not too religious. This represents an increase of 10 percentage points over the past decade, and this mirrors the percentage of Americans who say religion is not very important in their life. Now, as one might expect, Christmas is observed almost universally by Catholics and Protestants, with at least 80% of each group acknowledging a religious aspect of their celebrations. But this is important, Leslie. However, Protestants are 13 points more likely than Catholics to say Christmas is a strongly religious holiday for them. In fact, the numbers are... The Protestants who say that strongly as a religious holiday are 50% and I'm sure most of those Protestants are evangelicals. Catholics who say it's a strongly religious holiday, 37%. So what's the bottom line here? Overall, Americans' likelihood to celebrate Christmas has not changed significantly since 2005. However, the religious component of the holiday has become less pronounced over that period, especially among our younger and more liberal Americans. Now, while Christmas is celebrated by the majority of non-Christian Americans who may celebrate it more like in a secular way than their Christian counterparts, 19% of Catholics and 13% of Protestants also claim their celebrations are not too religious. Moreover, finally, the decline in religiosity of Christmas is in line with Gallup's overall research on religious identification, as well as how deeply integrated religion is in Americans' day-to-day life.
1: So what this poll is telling us is that Christmas is increasingly becoming a secular holiday, not a religious holiday. Peter, I do think it's critical for us to understand this force in our culture called secularism. I think sometimes words, we we just don't really know what that means. It always helps to have a good working definition so we can recognize it first in ourselves and then speak out against it when we see it creeping into the life of our families and parishes.
0: Yes, and a lot of church documents Leslie are referring to secular culture and secularism. So let's take time to define it.
1: We hear about it all the time.
0: Right. So here it is in a nutshell. Secularism is most commonly understood as the separation of religion from civil affairs and the state. It seeks to remove or minimize the role of religion in the public sphere.
1: Well, some examples that we can see of the secularization is the removal of nativity scenes in public places or the push to say Happy Holidays yeah, instead of Merry Christmas, Winter Break instead of Christmas Vacation. Also, there are some places where they're renaming the, the Christmas tree a holiday tree. Yes. Peter, I've read that. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. lastly, we've heard of some school choirs that are forbidden to sing carols that reflect a religious uh, faith about Christmas.
0: Yeah, exactly. Here's another good definition, Leslie, and this is more academic. The fundamental principle of secularism is that in his whole conduct, man should be guided exclusively by considerations derived only from the present life itself.
1: Okay, so what does that mean?
0: So anything that is above or beyond the present life, it's saying, should be entirely overlooked. Now, over the years, I've used a very simple definition, Leslie, and it's this. And it's an inordinate focus on the here and now. As Catholic disciples, we must not succumb to these secular forces that surround us. I think there's an important truth to share that ties this together for us as Catholics, Leslie. And it's found in Paul's writings in 1 Timothy 3, 4 through 16. It says this, St. Paul says, I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing these instructions to you so that if I'm delayed, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and bulwark of the truth. Please note that. Then he said, Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of our religion. He, Jesus, was manifested in the flesh, vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels preached among the nations believed on the world and then taken up in glory. Now Leslie, note that were those words pillar and bulwark. Scott Hahn made a good commentary on these two words. He said, these are structural supports that hold up a building. He said, the bishops, as successors of the apostles, are called to preserve the apostolic faith from corruption and distortion. That's the job description of our bishops.
1: Right. In particular, hold us up against secularization.
0: Yeah. St. Paul is telling us here that the church, as the pillar and the bulwark of the truth, sets the tone for the surrounding culture. It tells us how we should behave. If the church goes awry, then the culture will reflect the culture and tone which the church sets. I remember, Leslie, uh, an example of this when I was an evangelical pastor, that I had an associate pastor that was older than the other associates. And he remembered the day when he was in a denomination that began to say that abortion is okay. And this was before Roe v. Wade in 1973. And there were denominations that began to say that. And this of course set the tone in the culture for then the government to come along and say in Roe v. Wade that abortion was acceptable.
1: So, Peter, what I hear you saying when it comes to the celebration of Christmas and the secularization of this Holy Day, it's really up to the church and we as Catholic Christians, first of all, to put Christ back in Christmas. Isn't that right?
0: That is correct.
1: Okay, listeners, please stay with us now. We're going to take another short break, and when we return, we're going to discuss how we as Catholic disciples can proactively and intentionally put Christ back in Christmas. So please stay with us. You're listening to Go Rebuild My Church. This program is underwritten in part by Willie and Deborah Wood in memory of their parents, Woody and Joyce Wood, and Bill and Elsie Brooks. Catholic Radio Indy thanks the Wood family for their support. I can't tell you. It's overwhelming how good I feel listening to it. It is so good. You guys are such a blessing.
0: Catholic Radio Indy. For 2,000
1: years, our family has celebrated life and prayed for our world. We cared for the poor, started hospitals, blessed marriages, and educated generations of children. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church, with over one billion in our family, in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, come home to your parish and visit catholicscomehome.org today. You're listening to the radio program, Go Rebuild My Church, and we're learning that the heart of God is to rebuild that which has fallen into ruin in our church. Renewing the liturgical seasons and our participation in those seasons allows us to be the pillar and bulwark of the truth in the church. And Peter, we are discussing the solemnity of Christmas and the Christmas season, Now, when the clock strikes midnight on December 26th, radio stations turn off Christmas music and department stores start boxing up all their Christmas displays and decorations. But for Mm. us as Catholic Christians, Christmas has just begun. We've seen the battle we face as Catholic disciples and we must overcome the secularization of this holy season and put Christ into the word Christmas. So Peter, let's talk about some practical ways we can do that.
0: Yes, Leslie, as you so often say on this broadcast, and I love this, we all need to become solutions-oriented. This is an opportunity for us to look at the practicality of how to combat secularism and bring Christ into each of our Christmas celebrations. So let's look at some ways to do that. And let's talk about seven ways to keep Christ in Christmas. Number one, know when Christmas season actually ends the joy of Christmas cannot be contained just in one day or in one mass, Leslie. The Christmas season lasts until the Catholic Church celebrates the baptism of the Lord, which this year is Monday, January 8th. So number one, let's begin by knowing when Christmas season actually ends.
1: Another practical way And this is just very simple, invest in a beautiful nativity scene. The tradition of recreating nativity scene goes back to St. Francis of Assisi, as we have already mentioned. Every Catholic household should have a nativity scene, either inside or outside. Best is both. Yeah, right. and, and it doesn't really have to be fancy, but it's a good way to remember the one who Christmas is all about. Now, recently, we've all seen the simple wooden outdoor nativity scenes throughout the city. This is a movement. It's actually a movement. Mm-hmm. It was born in 2021, and it was through the inspiration of a Catholic business exchange leader. His name is Jim Liston, and he wanted to make central Indiana the nativity nativity scene capital of the world Well, people have really taken on this challenge it's become a movement and we're seeing more and more of these outdoor nativity scenes around the neighborhood
0: yes listen and a lot of families also have prayers and kneel before the nativity scene as well thirdly listen to christmas music we can simply say alexa play sacred christmas music so We listen to Christmas music that lifts our hearts and minds to God. And especially now, as you mentioned earlier, Leslie, that we won't hear Christmas music on the radio after December 25th. At Jesus' birth, remember, there was singing.
1: I believe that.
0: That's right. Angels announced his birth, and they were praising God. And of course, that implies singing, I think, saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is well-pleased. In 129 A.D., interestingly enough, a Roman bishop said that a song called Angel's Hymns should be sung at a Christmas service in Rome. Soon after that, of course, composers all over Europe started composing Christmas carols. Later on, St. Francis of Assisi, very interesting here, had people sing songs or canticles that told the Christmas nativity story in their own tongue and language.
1: Well, and the story goes on. There's a rich history behind the many beautiful Christmas carols that we sing today. Yes. Okay, number four, teach your family why we give gifts at Christmas. We already talked about this, Mm -hmm. that Christmas is a season of giving, but the greatest gift in history that was given to us was when the Father gave the earth the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. So Mm -hmm. this is something that we've always done. Before the family gathers together to open presents, we stop and we read Luke 2, 1 through 20, the narrative of the birth of Jesus, and we take time here to share The great gift of Jesus and how the gifts we give and receive today honors this great event.
0: Number five, celebrating Christmas. We celebrate the solemnities and the feast days during the octave or the eight days of Christmas and those days following. So the octave of Christmas through January 1st, interestingly and powerfully, is one of the richest times of the liturgical year. During those days, we celebrate and honor St. Stephen, the first martyr, the holy family, the holy innocents, those were the children that were killed by Herod as he sought out Jesus, St. Thomas Becket from England, and then Mary, of course, the mother of God, Leslie, on January 1st.
1: Okay, number six. So if you are celebrating all these solemnities and you know when Christmas actually ends, keep your Christmas decorations up. Don't take them down. Keep them at least up through January 8th. And some prefer even to keep their decorations all the way up to the celebration of the presentation of Jesus on February 2nd. Now, your neighbors may notice that your outdoor lights are still on, and they may even ask you about it. So um, be prepared to explain why.
0: Yes. Yes. Now, seventh and lastly, lesson. I really love this practice. I didn't know about this until we returned to the Catholic Church, and that's practicing the chalking of the doors. So the three wise men, they did not arrive on Christmas Day. This year, they arrived on the Epiphany, and this year we celebrate that Sunday, January 7th. Epiphany is also known as the Twelfth Night Theophany, or Three Kings Day, and it marks the time occasion, the time-honored Christian tradition of chalking the doors. The formula for the ritual this year, for 2024, is simple. Take chalk of any color and write the following above the entrance of your home, 24 plus C plus M plus B plus 24. 24. Now these letters have two meanings. First, they represent the initials of the Magi, Caspar, Melchior, and Balthazar, who came to visit Jesus in his first home. But they also abbreviate the Latin phrase "Christus Monsinem Benedicat," May Christ bless this house. The sign plus. Signs represent the cross, and the 24 at the beginning, and the 24 the end mark the year. This inscription is carried out as a request for Christ, and I love this, to bless those homes so marked that they stay with those who dwell within throughout the entire year. We love this tradition.
1: Okay, Peter, so why don't you take a moment now to pray for us that we can put Christ back in Christmas and truly combat those secular forces that are trying to rob us of this holy season.
0: In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, we love you during this season, and we want you to be pleased in the way that we honor you and celebrate your goodness, how we celebrate the Incarnation. And how we celebrate all the gifts that have come to us as a result of Jesus coming to our planet to redeem us. We pray, O oh Lord, for all of us as Catholic believers especially that you would allow us to change some of those statistics that we learned that Gallup shared, and that we would make this first and foremost a religious holiday, and that we would indeed put Christ Jesus back into Christmas. We pray this in his precious name, the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.
1: Okay, everyone, thank you so much for joining us today as we seek to connect you as individuals, your families, and parishes to the rebuilding and renewal of the Catholic faith here in America. And become a regular listener of Catholic Radio Indy. Goodbye for now, and
0: keep keep the the faith. faith. You've been listening to Go Rebuild My Church with Peter Doan. Podcasts of this program are available at www. Catholicradioindi.org You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m.
1: right here on Catholic Radio Indy.